Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Come on, Bobby. Welcome to Friday's show. Morning, studio. Morning. All right, let's go around the room. Give me your bestest news story. Let's go to Eddie first. Eddie? I am shocked that this didn't make bigger news, but a Secret Service agent that was watching over President Biden's granddaughter ended up shooting his gun at some people that are trying to break into a car. Wow. Like, I've never heard of a Secret Service agent, like, actually having to take action. Whoa. And... With somebody else, breaking into somebody else's car? It was a government car, one of their cars or whatever, but no one was in it. They just saw that these guys were breaking in there. He's like, hey, get away from the car. And they started like, there was a confrontation. Pop, pop, pop. Got it. So they probably pulled a weapon, which made the Secret Service guy pull a weapon to protect himself. Probably. Not just seeing someone break in a car and he just starts firing at him. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But I mean, it's still, it's crazy. Like Secret Service agents, you just see them like uh, hand to the ear, you know, sunglasses and that's it. That's crazy that they actually shot their weapon. Amy, you would see Secret Service on the University of Texas campus, right? Well, at... Uh, or just Austin in general? Yes. Well, when I was uh, in high school and it was Governor Bush and his daughters were at my high school, they would... Secret Service would sometimes be at high school. But they would be like men like, in their 40s but acting like a high school kid? Hello, fellow kids. No, <laughs> they would... Uh, before they could drive, that's who would drop them off at school. That'd be so cool. And then yeah. once the girls were able to drive, but like if their dad was coming up to the high school for something they would be there with their little earpieces that'd be so cool yeah and then yeah later once they were in college and he was actually president you would see them would they just be like standing outside protecting the dorm at all times that'd be so cool yeah but but you never get privacy but you don't even need a security system who cares I know that was one thing I felt really bad for them who needs privacy I mean there was a girl looking in your bed they're not you're, you're not pooping and they're watching you yeah but like you're making out with someone they're right there who cares they're not they don't care yeah, right. Yeah, no, they don't care. Him. They let them use a fake ID, things like that. Yeah. Like, there was a girl that used to work at our radio station. She lived in an apartment, same one as one of the Bush sisters in college, and someone was breaking into a random apartment. Uh, bad idea. Guess who's sitting outside? Secret Service. Got him. Yeah, because they were, it wasn't, they weren't breaking into her apartment, but they were. Sure. 
<laughs> they could have been breaking into the apartment to get to her, mm-hmm. but they could weren't. Have. But they, yeah. Wow. All right, Lunchbox, what do you have? I want to say congratulations to Eddie for not bringing a boring one. Today. I know. I thought I it was going to be a science one. I had one. I had a science one that was really good, too, but I was like, you know what? They don't want to hear it. What was it, though? It was these astronauts. They lost their sp- their tool belt. A hundred thousand dollar tool belt. Yeah. I saw it. They can't find it. Yeah, it's floating out there in space right That's now. That's pretty interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Did you see the, the professor that wants his body, like, blown up and sent into space when he dies because he wants aliens to clone him? What? Oh, but I like that okay. one too. Boom. Let's go. Lunchbox. Fire Festival Two has kicked off with no catastrophes. Billy McFarland, the guy that went to jail for scamming all these people, he announced that he was doing it again. And so the first people that bought tickets. He took them on zero-gravity flights. You can go to New York, get on the airplane, and feel zero gravity up in an airplane. And so, like, 50 people, he took them up because they're the first 50 people to buy his tickets. So, Fire Festival, though, hasn't happened yet. No. So it's coming up in a year. Right. Uh, so, it could be a, it could be a catastrophe. But, a no, chance. no. He said, if you're one of the first ones to buy a ticket, I'm going to take you on a zero-gravity flight. Yeah, I hear you. But the festival could be a catastrophe still. You said there were no catastrophes. Right. On this. Like, he said he was going to do something. He came through. Pre-sale, people. He, okay. Yes, but has he, he has he done? It? They it's went not on the even flight? the festival. Yeah, they went on the flight. Okay. They went up and felt, and they have a thing you can make it zero gravity and feel it. No, I wouldn't trust it, dude. Right. That me. Who's he, playing at this fire festival? He doesn't have a book yet. See, okay, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> It's already a catastrophe. All right, Amy, what do you have? Well, if you're looking for love, you may want to consider a move to Seattle because that is the place for singles to find their soulmates. They put all this. It's the top one. They base it on economy, percentage of population that is single, the number of online dating opportunities, the average price for, you know, two people going out on a date. It's too, too far back in time zone. Oh, well, Madison, Wisconsin isn't number two. Denver, Colorado, three. San Francisco, four. And Portland, Oregon, five. Ooh. Yeah, Portland's cool. Same time zone, but it just feels different. <laughs> Seattle feels so isolated. I like it. It feels so isolated. Like, you're just in a different country. Because you're just so right. up there and back. Really cool city, but it just feels like forever to get anywhere. Madison, Wisconsin, a shout out. Yeah, I, I like, like Madison. Madison, Wisconsin. Finally, life expectancy for men in the U.S. falls to 73 years. Mm. Six years less than women. Yeah, we're at 70. We're at 79 Yeah, 79. Oh, because right, I, I thought, thought we were at 78. But. You got him with that math. Yeah. I thought we were all going to reach 100 or something. Uh, no, not you. Okay. No, definitely um, not me. The expectancy of men, it was 74, then 73.2, and now it's just straight 73. What are we doing? What are yeah, what are yeah, doing? I mean, it was 77 in 2020. Oh, man. That's crazy. Maybe... Uh, mm. Stress? I mean, yeah, stress. Trying to just and of all the f- the countries that are developed, we're like the worst. Japan, Korea, Portugal, UK, all eighty or older. It's got to be preservative, huh? So would oh. you tra- would you trade living in the United States and have to go live in one of those countries? I never in- lived in one of those countries. I'm going to say yes. I would, my answer is yes. But then you hear about people in Sweden how happy they are. all Yeah. The time. So you'd rather live in another country if you're going to live longer? No, I, no, that's not what I said. I would oh. rather live here. But I, I've i never lived in another place to even answer that question with any sort of intelligence or knowledge. Are Sweden people really happy or do they just say that to make everybody want to come visit Sweden? I'm not Sweden. a Sweden person. never been to Sweden. <laughs> so uh, in Sweden, the life expectancy is 83. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty solid. That's, they must be really happy. Yeah. We need right. to go to one of those blue zones. I saw that. Oh, I've seen that. Like, there's like a documentary on that. Huh? Yeah, that's what? where we need to live. That's What's a blue zone? They, they live the longest. They live like 100 years old. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've read about they that. They probably don't have technology, though. They do. They're not. Um, They're not off the grid. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, but it's the, just the, more their. What, what's the person? Not Mormon. Hmm? Amish. Amish. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not Amish. <laughs> not Amish. There you go.
The Mormons in my head we went to BYU. Yeah, yeah it's fresh. Yeah. They're the ni- the Mormons are the nicest people though. Well, if it's nice, like they're the nicest. There's a video of Eddie snapping a ball. He's trying to be a deep snapper, and it skips like five yards in front of the guy. And he's like, "You did a great job." Well, five more yards, but that was a great. It was terrible. Yeah. He's just like the sweet. They're just the sweetest guys. They're very nice. Yes. Anyway, there you go. That's the news. Let's get the show started now. Dolly Parton coming up in a little bit. She'll be on this hour. We'll do the dance party. We also have uh, Fun Fact Friday, Easy Trivia. Thank you, guys. Bobby Bones Show starts now. It's a Bobby Bones Show interview. In case you didn't know. I'm sure you know, but Dolly Parton, we went to her place. We had this really long, hour-long talk with her, which we're going to play back here. Uh, And you can watch it, too, up at bobbybones.com. But it's like, do I have to explain Dolly? Okay, Jolene here. Jolene, 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 Jolene. But also this... In that she has a new record called Rockstar, where she has a lot of massive stars with her singing like their big songs. You know, she's Miley Cyrus's godmother, and this is her and Miley doing Wrecking Ball. I came in like a wrecking ball. I never hit so hard. Always love spending time with Dolly. Let's go with Dolly Parton. The Friday morning conversation with Dolly Parton. The songs that you chose to do. Because there are just so many great songs in the world, period. But you chose some of my favorite songs of all time. And I was just talking to you about uh, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Like, why, why did you pick these songs specifically for this album? Well, I picked songs that I love, and I picked songs that my husband loved, because he's the real rock and roller, and he was a big inspiration for doing the album. But I picked this Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, because I love Elton John. I love his singing, and I love his songs. And... Every time we get together, we were always singing together, and it sounded good. And so I thought, well, I'm doing this song on the album in hopes that he'll sing with me. <laughs> so, of course, he said he would. And so that this is a highlight on the album for me because I love how he sound, and that's just such a good song. The first time you guys sang together, where, how? Like, it's, that's just such a, you know, collision of awesomeness. You know what? We The first time we ever did sing together, we were... Uh, Behind stage, actually, he did. I did a song, the song Imagine, years ago. I was on one of my albums, and he sang it with me on the CMA Awards. He played the piano, and I sang it. And so backstage, though, we were singing all these great old country songs. He knew them. He knew every country song in the world. Those great songs like Behind Closed Doors, he especially loved that, Make the World Go Away and all that. So we'd start singing and we just sounded so good together. And we said, you know what, we got to do an album together someday. And we never got around to that. And we're both too old to start it now, probably. <laughs> but, but I thought when I did this song, I'm going to see if he'll sing it with me. And he, he just was so nice, jumped right at the chance, and I thought it turned out pretty good. With this album being a rock record, I mean, it's called Rockstar, um, I'm friends with the president of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And there was We Want Dolly, and then it was Dolly says she's not not really deserving to be the because she didn't do rock music and then now I mean to me the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is just if you do awesome music like rock and roll is so just uh, synonymous with uh, great great music it doesn't matter the format to me how much of that was true to where you were like I just don't think I deserve to be in and how much of that was kind of made up um, no it was not made up because I I hate controversy of any kind I don't like to be in anything that said all oh, they did this and you know in a bad way but when they said they were going to put me in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I thought, well, why in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Because I know so many people like Meatloaf and some of the greatest artists of all times that, you know, almost uh, to the point, you know, almost as they get almost bitter about the fact that some of the greatest artists have never been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And 
I thought that you voted on that, and I thought, I am not taking votes away from people for them to put me in the Hall of Fame just because I was having a hot streak at the time with other things. And I didn't feel right about it. And so I said no. I didn't. I thought other people, because I've spent my life in country, that anything they give me in country, I'll take it. <laughs> I will. You know, I feel I, feel I deserve it because I've spent my life there. But anyway, when they explained what it was and that it's people's music that's, that's influenced other things, when I had a better understanding, I understand more why. But I just didn't feel right about it still. So I'm like my daddy, I don't want nothing that's you know, that I don't earn. So when they put me in anyhow, I thought, well, I'd always thought about doing a rock album. I thought timing's everything, and I didn't want to miss out on timing. So I thought, well, I'm going to do it. So I announced it there that night. I said, I'm going to think about doing a rock and roll album. Any of you want to join me? And a lot of them did. Yeah, like, But no, it was sincere. I wasn't making it up for attention. Well, but was this album really, because you mentioned your husband too being a big factor on the songs that were picked for it, but was this album, did it derive from you going, well now I gotta do a rock album? Kind of, I felt like I needed to earn that title and now I feel like that this album is good enough. I think it's some of my best work. I chose great song and I also chose great artist to sing with me and now I feel like I at least earned the fact that I'm in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and if somebody sees my name they'll say oh yeah did you ever hear that rock album the rock album she recorded everybody's talking about it yeah. did you hear rock star yeah. and that was the title was just tongue in cheek I, I just kind of like here I am 77 years old and I'm going to be a rock star <laughs> you know it was just I thought well why not I'll leave that for my legacy what was the first track you cut because that's the, the first, at least the first one you knew you wanted to cut uh, well uh, I think the first one I cut was a song of mine because I wanted to get comfortable and it was more fl- country flavored it was the My Blue Tears I did with Simon LeVon I wrote that song when I was young kid and I'd record it a couple times, even within the uh, trio album with Lyndon uh, Emmy. And so I did that one just to kind of get, you know, get my, my stuff going. And then we started cutting songs like Satisfaction. I think that was the second one. And uh, then we just re- really went on with some of those hard-ass you know, rock and roll. <laughs> the real rock, right? Real rock. What about Simon made you go to him first to say, hey, do this song with me? Because you wrote that by yourself, right? I wrote that by myself, and I wrote that years ago, but I thought this song was so pretty, and I wanted to add more to it. But I was the reason I picked Simon is because uh, he was on the Rock and Roll, uh, he went in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Duran Duran that night, same night I did. Same reason I picked Pat Benatar and uh, Rob Helford. You know, they were all there that night, and I got a chance to talk to all of them. But that one, I just thought it would make just a beautiful song. I just pictured that song about uh, going off to war, you know, like all the war going on, and, you know, that lovers and husbands were going off to war, and the girls singing, you know, My Blue Tears. And I just pictured that as a, a movie theme almost. And I just thought Simon's voice was so beautiful because it was old world, and I did some harmonies, that old world type harmonies with myself. But he's got that really beautiful high pitched voice. And I thought he was perfect, and he was. Whenever you're singing some of these songs that other artists made famous, we talked about Elton John, but Sting, Every Breath You Take, um, Steve Perry, Journey, Open Arms. Do you have pressure? Do you put it on yourself when you're singing a song and then you're asking the original artist to get on it with you? Is there a standard that has to hit before you'll send it off? Well, you know what? I, I had, I've talked about this on different things. I hate to ask anybody to do anything. 
anybody asks me to sing on anything, I nearly 99% of the time I will. And if I don't, it's just because I can't make the time to do it or, or something. But uh, I just listen to the songs, and uh, I think who would be great on it. I actually recorded the whole album and had not thought of putting anybody on it. Then after I got the album recorded, then I started thinking, wouldn't it be great if I could get some of these artists? So it was hard for me to ask them. Because I didn't, it wasn't that I thought they'd say no so much as, because uh, I know we're professional and they would if they could. And, you know, they give me a good reason if they could, you know, or at least make it sound right. Uh, but I just, you know, I just had trouble doing it. But I thought, well, it'd be worth it because it'd be great if I'm going to do the rock album to really make it something special. So when you did ask Elton John, do you do you call him? Do you text him? Do you send an email, handwritten letter? Good question. I did it every which way. Uh, I mostly called the people, you know, or wrote a note through my management because my manager knows everybody else's manager. So we did a lot of it through their manager so I didn't have to put myself nor them on a total spot. But I wrote the... I wrote the note myself saying what I wanted to say to them then I thought well if they get back to me they can just say they can't or whatever and they won't have to be hit upside the head with it but they all came back and or they called me I left my number <laughs> of course you know? yeah. so they could call me and or they could call the office you know we're country we just do what we do but my heart was open to it and to them and I was really honored that so many of them wanted to do it I picture there's a meme or like a beautiful mind where he's doing, you know, there's connecting all the dots and the ropes in that movie. You doing this with songs and all these artists because it's so many great artists and you going, well, Debbie Harry sounds really good on this one, but what if, because she's so good. She, like, how did that process come well, together? Well, actually, when I recorded all those songs, I thought about all those people that were still living and still productive. Some of them we hadn't heard from in a long time. You know, like Steve Perry, who was always one of my favorite singers ever. And uh, some people say, I don't think you'll get him because he doesn't work that much anymore and this and this and this. Well, when I got in touch with him, he called me right back. And he said, I've been a fan for years. I used mm. to watch you on the Border mm. Wagner show. And my family loved you, so I knew you. So they all had their own kind of story and their own kind. Same with Rob Halford. When we were standing there at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, he was saying how his whole family grew up on my little color mini colors and he was naming songs like uh, down from dover off of albums that you'd have to really know my history and know me uh to know the, some of the songs and so we just made some we just made personal connections and then when i uh called about singing on it they were all in yeah well so 79 ish albums do you know that's how many that you've recorded. And we were looking at that number, and I think even just contributed to 2,000 songs. So do you ever have times where you're like, hmm, what are the lyrics to that song? Or any time where you, like, could you sing every song that you know you've oh, ever no. been a part of? <laughs> I, well, I know the melody, you know, like if I hear something, but I couldn't go out, I couldn't take my guitar and sing, so, you know, the, a lot of those songs. I can, the ones I sing over and over on stage every night. But uh, a lot of times we have teleprompters anymore. The older you get, the less memory you've got. <laughs> But you know, but I know I know the ones that I, I sing all the time, like Jolene and you know all those. But yeah, it's not easy to remember all of them. Then there's sometimes I'll think, did I write? 
you know, I'll hear, I'll hear, see it title, and I think, I, I don't remember what that song is. Yeah, I was going to ask if you're like yeah. sometime just in Kroger or something, and you hear a song of you singing, you're like, <laughs> I, I, I don't remember that song. <laughs> I, well, I, it, I do. You know, I think I, sometimes I'll hear something, and I'll think, is that me? Yeah. Is that my song? Or I'll think, I'll, when I'm going through my stuff, my catalogs, I'll see it, t- or I mean, if, if somebody says something, I see a list of songs. I don't remember what the lyrics are until I, you know, look it up. And then I think, well, do I remember what the tune is? Are you ever like, oh, dang, that's pretty good. Yeah. I did a great well, job. Well, I do that a lot. And then I'll think some of them, no, that's not good. I know, well, that was never a hit. Uh, the, the book, Behind the Seams, it's interesting to me because something that you're so known for and celebrated for, we now understand that as being normal. However, mm-hmm. you're the one that had to kind of create these, these new highways for people to drive down. And I would assume that it always wasn't so easy where people were just celebrating you for your fashion. People had to be like, wow, what is she wearing at times? <laughs> where now again, we look at it and go, that's Dolly. She's set the standard for everybody else. But when you're, ground, when you're someone who's breaking ground on new things, there's a lot of criticism or there's a lot of just judgment on you. Uh, yeah. It but couldn't have been so easy all the time. It wasn't, but I chose to be myself even still. Uh, some things would embarrass me, some things would hurt my feelings, but not enough to stop me. <laughs> you know, because I always just wore things that I was comfortable with. I didn't have the money to be fashionable, you know, back in the in the days. and um, But I just wore what I was comfortable with, what I thought fit my personality. And it was a country girl's idea of glam. You know, my backwards Barbie look, so to speak. But it really was. You know, when I wrote the song Backwards Barbie, you know, it's like I'm just a backwards Barbie. Too much makeup, too much hair. But don't be fooled by thinking that the goods are not all there. You know, (laughs) don't let these false eyelashes lead you to believe that I'm as silly as I look. (laughs) Because there's a lot to me kind of uh, idea. So, But I just felt if I had anything worth having, people would see it in time. If my songs were worth singing and recording, people would find them in time. So I felt it was more important that I please myself and that I be happy within myself and that I be mostly be comfortable in my own skin, as I say, no matter how far I've stretched it. But, or, but certainly, <laughs> I need to be uh, comfortable in my own clothes and in my own self. So if I'm comfortable, everybody around me is comfortable. I love that you said you, I, it, that it, acknowledging that it hurt your feelings, but you weren't going to let it stop you. I feel like with especially social media and just so many ways for people to make contact with other people, like feelings are getting hurt often, especially like behind a keyboard. And so what, what advice would you give to someone along the same lines of like if something does hurt your feelings? Because like, I could imagine a lot of people shut down after that or they they use it as an excuse to stop and what would you encourage them to do that's a good good deep thought you have there but it it still hurts no matter how big you get in the business or how successful you are i mean uh, most writers are very sensitive anyway you have to live with your with your feelings and your heart on your sleeve in order to be able to you know, to do things. So you just have to try to forgive, first of all, or just to try to look over it and just say, that is, I cannot just dwell on that. I got better things to do. That was their opinion of me. That's not my opinion of me. So you have to think about, it's more important uh, what you think of you than it is what somebody else thinks of you. That's what that old saying, I guess it was Shakespeare or somebody that said, to thine own self be true. There's a lot to that statement if you think about it. Because if you're true to you and you know who you are, you'll rise above that hurt. You, it'll sting, 
you know, as but it, yeah. you know, but you still you can't let that cripple you in any way. You just gotta cry it out, move on. Final question I have for you, Dolly, and the record's out today. The book came out last month. I, I want to go back to the Grand Ole Opry. You're 13 or 14 years old. The first time you play it. Do you have Do you have a memory of that? And then the the tale of the three standing ovations. <laughs> Can you remember them? I just, my first time I ever played the opera, it's all a blur. When I was doing comedy at the opera, it's all a blur. And I don't remember it that well, but can you remember that? Because that seems like such a big moment. Well, I remember even the very first time that I sang on the radio when I was 10 years old. Mm. And that's when I got addicted to that feeling of that audience where I, it gave me confidence. And that same thing, you know, it gives you confidence. It makes you feel like you're doing something right. And I always say that was, a lot of that was not because I was so good, it was because I was young. And, and because I was little back then. But that's just like a shot of adrenaline, and that just gives you encouragement. That just gives you more, you know, it's like fuel to the flame, if, as they say. But I remember all of, all of the things, the same thing, the same way I feel now when I'm out there in the audience, I mean, and with the audience out there when I'm out on stage now. You never get over that feeling because it's like a, whew, you know, it's like a, a great feeling. You feel like you've done something right. You feel like you've done something good. So you're proud of yourself and you're proud of them, you know, for making you feel good and that you, you feel like, well, they've made me believe that I'm, you know, that I'm worth what they've paid to come to see me because, you know, the fans are everything. We all want to think we're good at what we do. But if we didn't have that following, if we didn't have those people that believed in us, to the point of buying records and all that, we wouldn't have them. So there's something to be said about when people react in that way. It makes you feel good, and it makes you feel proud, and it makes you feel like that you've done something right and something good. The album is out today. It's Dolly and everybody else that's super famous, but slightly less famous <laughs> than her, because nobody's more famous than you. The, the, oh. You're the queen. You're the queen. 30 songs, nine original tracks, and 21 iconic rock anthems. And I thought, I don't want to say iconic rock anthems. That might feel, but no, it's true. You, you picked the biggest. I did. Rock, you, I wanted to pick scared. the best songs yeah. with the best artists that I could find to help me out on. And the behind the scenes. Was, I don't think we ever mentioned the we title did. of the book. Behind the Scenes Behind came the out scenes. last month. Oh, did you? Yep. Yeah. I and didn't know if we had the title of it yet. And we did my it. Life in Rhinestones. <laughs> this is the my subtitle life in I didn't get to yet, but that's it. Life <laughs> in Rhinestones. You have a lot of rhinestones. Is your closet full? If you were to weigh all your clothes in your main closet at home, pretty heavy? Oh, good Lord, yeah. Yeah, that's how I figure. Well, do you want so you much? You can lift them. I can hardly even sing in them. I feel like um, the character that you play in Steel Magnolias, just real quick, because that's one of my favorite movies, oh, top you. three of all time. Steel Magnolias, oh. Pretty Woman, Dirty Dancing. Oh, yes, and I, any of my friends that haven't seen it, we sit down, we watch it, and um, Truvy. I just uh, didn't know if when you play a certain character, what you learned from that character and if there's anything you remember learning from Truvy or a takeaway from that time. Well, I love doing Truvy, but that was the easiest thing I've ever done because I used to think that if I hadn't have been hadn't made it in the business, I'd have been a beautician because I'd have had to have had the makeup and the bleach and all that. I'd have had to got a discount on that somewhere, so I would have become I would have become a beautician sincerely. So when teasing came out, and I've often talked about it. I was doing not only my hair but my girlfriend's hair, and even after I became my star. 
uh, a semi-star and was doing specials, had my family in it. I'd do my hair, my mama's hair, my sister's hair. And so I would have been a beautician. So on that particular show, I I really felt like that was about the easiest thing I'd ever done because I felt comfortable in that beauty shop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were great in it. Yeah. Thank you. You're the best. Mm-hmm. So behind the scenes, My Life in Rhinestones, it's the book that's been out for uh, three weeks or so. Mm-hmm. And then the album Rockstar, which we've been playing songs from for the past couple of months as well. Thank you, Dolly. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank well, you. I'm honored to be with you anytime, Bobby Bone. All right, thank you. There she is. Well, there's no, and there's no crowd. And always a doll. She makes you look good. She, yes. <laughs> thank you, Dolly. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Amy's pile of stories. Intersection takeovers are now a thing. I saw uh, this. This is so stupid. Yeah, well, yeah, but the more it gets posted about on social media, the more people are like, oh, I can get a little notoriety here. I'm going to do we're, it. We're, we're, talk- we're giving... Well, notoriety. I'm going to tell you, you're also going to get arrested. Okay, so, so we're back to even, so go ahead, tell everybody. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, You. so in the intersection, uh, cars just start to go into circles and cause major traffic situations. If you get enough cars mm-hmm. that are driving in circles, basically you're just trying to stop traffic. That's it. 
Yeah, and they call it an intersection takeover. No one can go any which direction because you've got a group of people speeding around in these circles. And huh. police Seems and- like someone would wreck into them coming through the light. Well, no, they, but they can't. Taken they don't it over. go. Nobody's going. Yeah, no one's going because there's cars doing circles. Man, interesting. Yeah. So, so, are they friends that do it, or like just random? You kind of have to do it. It's a group. It's with, a group. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's like a flash mob. You, you, you plan it. it. It's a dangerous flash mob. That yeah, will get you put in jail. <laughs> you definitely know them. You don't recruit people on the spot. Like, hey, I would rather like hold hands across a line or something with like a sign in the intersection that said like Mr. Bobby Owens, follow me on Instagram. Then do a car in circles. But what if nobody sees you? It's they will. Like, okay. okay. <laughs> just crash into the line. They will. Well, it's not, it's no not Red Rover, dude. Okay. <laughs> but yes, it's dumb. Don't do it, everybody. Yeah, don't do it. And you're putting lives at risk. Like it's a whole thing. Yep. So yeah, intersection takeovers. Uh, a woman quit practicing law uh, because she realized she was a pet psychic and she could make way more money. And what she realized was she could make way more money acting like a pet psychic. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. She's yes. A, uh, she found her passion talking to animals. Found her passion mm-hmm. milking people for money. Uh, <laughs> she gets about $350 for one animal psychic session. and Crazy. People will pay for anything. People are stupid. That's because people are she, so stupid. She says what she tells you what the animals yeah. saying. How do we know though she's not a psychic? But I just I'm, I'm gonna bet the odds. I'm a big betting guy. DraftKings has her odds of not being real, like <laughs> minus twelve thousand. Now does she talk yeah. to living animals or can she talk to dead ones too? Both. Oh, oh see, wow. she works. She Very goes versatile. Pe- she looks in the, the, the obituaries, finds dead dogs, calls the people and be like, Hey, I can talk to your dog. Not yeah. only that, she could probably talk to dogs that haven't been born yet. Oh, oh man. Well, that's that's special. Yeah. I, I'm, that's what I do. What? Talk to dogs that haven't even been born yet. Well, not, you can lie, you can lie about everything else. I talked to cows too. Matter of fact, I talked what, to cow last night. What they say? Hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, I talked to. I've talked to two different oh, pet psychics. One for my dog and one for my cat. You gave him money. Mm-hmm. I gave him money. She bought me a uh, psychic reading from a pet I, psychic once. Yeah. Did you ever do it? Yeah. And the person did was you? like. Your dog likes to drool. Your dog <laughs> likes to bark. That's your dog funny. likes food. Your, dog, I mean, your dog's tired. Yeah. Wants to take a nap. That's you crazy. You never did it. Did hey, you? look. Yeah, I did do it. You did? Yeah. Because okay. I remember thinking the whole time, this is very generic stuff. Um, however, people will pay good money for this. You can't prove she's not. So good for her, I guess. As long okay. as she's not like bilking old people. Oh, she's finding the old people that like, yeah, really... she's not taking finding vulnerable people and she's just finding weirdos. I'm okay with going after weirdos, but not vulnerable. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, that's tough. All right. Uh, study... She makes 75,000 bucks a year, basically. That's so stupid. That's what this said. Yeah. Are, I, I, just for being a pet psychic, all yeah. you have to do is make it up. I know. I can it's talk. Crazy. Any guys, pet? You guys or have she, no idea. I'm a cat psychic. Really, dude? I just found out last night with my passion. If anybody needs to talk to their cat, let me know. <laughs> Prove I'm not. Okay, thank you. <laughs> a recent study reveals that a lot of men let their wives win in competitions. What? And they're doing it for a specific reason. Oh. Oh, to make her happy? It. Well, they said oh, it, it. That's funny. It. For wives and girlfriends, the guys do it to avoid conflict and prevent them from leaving or being poached by another male. <laughs> if my wife caught me letting her win things... She might leave me yeah, and exactly. go poach another male. Oh, we have a pretty competitive household, and my wife's a better athlete than I am, and so that's, that's annoying to me. However, I don't have to let her win because she just wins stuff. It sucks. But, like, since y'all are both competitive, do y'all have moments where— Yes, but she's the bigger person, and she's like, I'm not doing this. It's ruining our day. Yes. Okay, yeah. So- we don't get into big fights. I will fight. I'll drag it on for a month. 
But she's like, what are we doing? Well, so can I ask you this? Do you think Caitlin ever lets you win to avoid uh, oh. this is like the reverse of this? Probably. Good question. To avoid conflict? Probably, but she competes hard. I think the only time she would ever do that is if she knows if we've been at it for a long time, there's been no winner. I think she would probably be like, I'm just going to let him win. I don't. She would never do it to begin with. But we used to play this game during the pandemic when she acted like she liked PlayStation. Uh, we used to play where the cards would she hit the ball. You. Yeah. Well, there was nothing Rock, to do. Rocket League. Yeah, we played Rocket League. And we'd play like every, there was nothing to do. So we'd I'd work from the house and we'd just mess around and play Rocket League. And then I got, I started to get really good and I started to beat her. She's like, ah, oh, you're just too good. Now I don't want to play anymore. What I think is she was just letting me win so she didn't have to play anymore. For sure. She was, <laughs> that was Amy's pile of stories. It's time for the good news. With Lunchbox. Tell me something Tyrese Maxey plays in the NBA for the Philadelphia 76ers. And last Thanksgiving, he wanted to give back. So through his charitable organizations, he gave out 300 turkeys to families in need. He's like, man, we can do better than that. We can make it bigger. We can make it better. This year, he held a little event with music, party, prizes, food, and handed out 1,000 turkeys wow. to different families. He did a lot better. Man, that's cool. And yeah. like he's like becoming a star now, too. Mm-hmm. He's a Kentucky guy, right? He played for Kentucky? Yeah. A lot of times, too, when they become the big stars, they don't do as much. because, But like he's that guy. Yeah. I mean, him and Embiid, that's awesome. Good for him. A thousand turkeys. At, <laughs> yeah, they had food, music, and prizes. I mean, I, I wonder what the prizes were. Oh, like if you're signed, basketballs. signed basketballs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, jerseys. Like that. Yeah, that'd be like, cooler than, than shoes. Shoes. Oh, man. Like, if you're giving on. away a thousand turkeys, what else could the prize be? You get a car. You get a house. You get... I know. But we shouldn't do that, but yeah. But <laughs> No, probably would have been on the story. Good for him. Tyrese Maxey, great job. Way to give back. That is what it's all about. That was Tell Me Something Good. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.